When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Very excited today because we have Marbu Brown, who is the author of Blueprint for Customer obsession. And I love the idea of customer obsession. And this guy knows just a little bit about the customer service and experience world because he was head of customer experience for consumer baking for JP Morgan Chase. He ran the worldwide defect elimination program over at Amazon, and he was responsible for customer experience measurement in the support centers over at Microsoft, and he did a lot more with all of those companies, but those are just a few of the highlights. Now, before we get into this interview, a couple of quick announcements, and you know what they are if you've heard the show. We are on every social channel, at least I am, and if you've got a question or a problem or if you've got a story that you want to share, please be sure to go to any of the social channels. If it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep, and I'll be sure to answer the question there on this show and my newsletter or on my TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, and a number of other places, including now you can get it by just going to uh, beamazing.tv. That's beamazing.tv. All right, let's jump into the interview. Marbu, welcome to the show. And Chef, I, I really appreciate having the opportunity to have this discussion with you this afternoon. I'm, I'm looking to just a, a stimulating time. It's going to be great. And I just want you to know, I had no idea who you were. I had never even heard about you. I was looking for great books to read and review. And every year I do a top 10 list of my favorite books I read all year. Your book is just out now. I wish I would have read this earlier in the year because I am excited about it. Blueprint for Customer Obsession. And with the background of the companies that you've worked with, I can only imagine how great it's going to be. So I can't wait to read my copy. But like I said, it's just coming out. Actually, as we do this interview, it's not even out yet. By the time you hear this interview, you can go to Amazon.com and get your book today. How's that for a plug? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Well, I've given a little bit of background uh, on who you are. Do you want to add to that or can we jump right into talking about the book? Well, we can absolutely jump right into talking about the book and we can intersperse a little bit more about me as we go along. But, you know, Shep, I'm I'm super excited about Blueprint for Customer Obsession because, look, um, Amazon really kind of popularized this phrase about customer obsession. And, and with their success, it has become one of those phrases that people use a lot, but it's not clear that everybody's speaking the same language uh, when, when they use that expression. And so one of the things that uh, we've done with Blueprint, uh, um, Blueprint for Customer Obsession is to identify very clearly eight hallmarks that separate 
customer-obsessed companies from others that might be customer-centric or customer-focused, if you will. And we have like 10 companies that we use to illustrate those hallmarks. So um, I'm, I'm very excited because I believe that as people read this, it will become super clear to them what makes the difference. Well, I just, can you, in, in a short one or two, three sentences, tell us the difference between a company that says, hey, we are totally customer focused versus, hey, we are customer obsessed. Because you said there's a difference. I'd love to just kind of start there. There, there is a difference. And look, when you when you think about a company that's customer obsessed, one of the things that they wind up doing, they do things that are counterintuitive from the perspective of their peers. Um, and, and some of those companies might, you know, um, deliver very strong customer experiences, but they don't go to the extremes that that some of these other companies do, right? Um, you know, I'm reminded of of uh, an account that I read about a lady who was returning a Christmas tree in January at Costco because she said the Christmas tree was dead. Okay, in January. In January. <laughs> well, about that time, it probably is close to debt. If you bought it any time in December and kept it up for a couple of weeks, we're starting to see the, the needles go dry. Now, most companies wouldn't take that tree back, but Costco did. And one of the things that Costco is known for is pretty much it's kind of extreme return policy, right? Mm -hmm. Now, look, in retail, returns is a big deal. People are always trying to minimize returns costs. And some would look at the Costco um, you know, return policy, their competitors, and scratch their heads and say, like, why they do that? Right. But that's an example of customer obsession because they will take those back, right? And customers will shop with total confidence. Right. Right. And, and what's more is that sometimes a, a customer might think, I'm going to go buy this thing somewhere else. Okay. But they'll stop and say, hey, no way. Maybe let me go buy it at Costco because I know if I have a problem with it, I can return it. Now, maybe very small percentage of those people actually have problems with those things because they're going for stuff that's high quality that, you know, probably almost never needs to be returned. Yeah. But because people have that extra level of confidence, you know, they'll go in and buy it there instead of buying it somewhere else. So that's an example of what customer obsession looks like. Right. right? Where, where the average company would say, it's January. You bought this thing a month ago. Christmas was over a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. How can you bring it back? And, and I love that example. And I'll tell you, companies like Costco, Nordstrom, and a few others have made arrangements with their suppliers and their vendors and you know where they buy their product from with their merchandise, with the idea that, hey, guys, you're, we're partners here. So you better give us something good that doesn't need to be returned so that the return return is minimal. Now, the other thing that Costco has that other companies don't is that they have a membership model. So you don't get the random person coming in just to buy an exchange. No, they're committed to coming to Costco to begin with, which that's a whole nother conversation is to talk about this uh, membership discussion. But I, I love the idea of, of people paying for the privilege to do business with the company. And Amazon, same thing with Amazon Prime. Not everybody has to be a Prime member, 
going to Costco, everybody has to be a member of Costco. That's right. But well, think about it. Um, Costco has over 100 million paid memberships and their renewal rates are over 90 percent. OK, yep. so so the thing about I'll tell you one of the things that you'll find about customer obsessed companies is they have these you know, policies that are extremely in favor of the customer and makes other people scratch their heads, but their business results are ridiculous, yeah. right? And, and, and so, you know, the two things kind of um, go go with each other, right? Look, I'll, I'll give you another example. Um, Amazon and customer reviews, okay? Yep. So, um, you know, Costco is going to wind up in this example too because... I used to buy Bob's um, Bob's Red Mill steel cut oats at Costco. Still do. Um, but anyway, one time we we're trying to get it and we couldn't get it. And they had like this very large, uh, you know, container of it. And it was $7.99, you know. And, and so I figured, okay, well, maybe I should just go buy this on Amazon. So I looked on Amazon and I saw this, the um, Bob's Red Mill steel cut oats for $17.99. I thought to myself, wow. $10 difference. Yeah, I thought that must be a bigger container, you know, and I'm thinking, is it bigger? Is it the same one that I usually buy? So I was trying to figure this out. And I thought, why don't I just look at the reviews? Okay, so I looked at the reviews. First review says, don't buy this at Amazon. You can buy the same thing at Costco for $7.99. Okay. okay. <laughs> now, now, most companies would take that review down, Right. Right. But when you're customer obsessed, you leave it up there because it helps the customer to make the right decision. Right. And so the customer knows that they can trust you when you when they when they come to you and buy something from you, they they know they're getting a good deal. Right. And you know, haven't been on the inside at Amazon before. I know that the category manager who has to deal with having that review up there is also, you know, figuring out. Well, how can I sell it for $7.99? How can I sell it for $6.99? Right. So, you know, um, you know, Jeff Bezos has a saying where he's um, you know, he says, look, I, I can't imagine a time when customers are gonna ask for higher prices and less selection. Right. And, and so, you know, looking at it from the customer's perspective is like, how do I give the customer more selection and better prices? Even if that means that sometimes I have to lose a sale until my people can figure out how to catch up and give the customer that better price, um, you know, that that um, the customer is looking for. And I may not have that every time, but I can, yeah. you know, I can get there. Right. And so that's what customer obsession does. It drives businesses to to do these kinds of, of policies that other people will find to be counterintuitive. But then you turn around and folks say, well, when I'm searching for something, why don't I just go look for it at Amazon? Because I know that I'm going to get more selection and get better prices, right? right? But in the case of this particular item, the the steel cut oats, uh, it was less expensive to Costco. But here's what I love about Amazon. And this is just going to echo what you're saying, but it's a different scenario, is that you can find products on Amazon where Amazon says you can find this product at a lower price, click here, and it takes you a number of other vendors that you can buy from. And it's like, well, you talk about confidence. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is how yeah. confident they are. And granted, 
Um, I love the, the transparency, not taking that review down. That, once again, kind of just accents the customer obsession. We don't want to, uh, you know, represent anything less than the absolute 100% transparent truth. Yeah. Or, or Zappos, for example. I mean, Zappos has like the largest, you know, selection of shoes. But But if they don't have the shoes that you're looking for, they'll take you to competitor sites to help you find the shoes, yep. right? Now, the, again, these kinds of things are counterintuitive. But look, I mean, like 75% of Zappos sales come from existing customers. And, and you know, a, about new customers are recommended by, you know, their existing customers, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So 40% of their new customers come from, from recommendations from existing customers. So, you know, you're, you're looking at, um, it, again, these businesses are doing these extreme counterintuitive things, but their their customers are not just casual consumers. Yeah, right? I love it. You can wrap it up by saying uh, these companies are more interested in the customer than they are the sale, which leads the customer to want to buy more. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to hit on a couple, three of your favorite. Uh, you refer to these as the uh, uh, the hallmarks, the eight hallmarks that are yeah. coming out of your book, The Blueprint for Customer Obsession. It's a brand new book, just came out. We're talking with Marbu Brown, the author. Don't go away. We're coming right back. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to come back again and again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll Be Back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Marbu Brown about his new book, Blueprint for Customer Obsession. Now, we haven't really talked much about the book yet, but right now, I want you to share with us. uh, Let's start with, like, give us your favorite one, or if you want to lead up to it, the top two or three. I'm excited to hear about the book. So so let me kind of of lead into it, right? So... Um, when I when I think of actually look uh, one one of the things that we shared just now is one of the 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 differentiators um, that that customer obsessed companies bet the farm on extreme customer centric policies right so so that's that's one of the differentiators but let me tell you something else customer obsessed companies have um, you know deeply ingrained pervasive cultures right so w- when you look at these companies. Um, you look at a company like Amazon. Amazon had um, when I was there, were, it was 14 leadership principles. It's now 16 leadership principles. Okay, but but those leadership principles are pervasive throughout the company, right? And um, people engage with those principles basically in everything that they do. Okay, um, when you get interviewed at Amazon, 
those those principles play a role. When you go to a meeting at Amazon, those principles play a role. You know those principles, you know, by heart because you are using them all day, every day. They're part of the culture. But those principles are what actually help to make customer obsession come to life because everybody, you know, um, subscribes to those principles and they live them out. And that's how. Are, are they principles or behaviors? Um and are these like non-negotiable? This is because I know you mentioned Zappos and Tony Shea, who, you know, eventually sold the company to Amazon. He had these core principles. And he said, if if somebody doesn't do one of the 10, goodbye, you're not for us. OK, and he called them principles uh, and it's what built his culture. I kind of thought them as core behaviors or core non-negotiables. Um, so. And and how likely is it that somebody can remember 10 of them, let alone 16 or 18? Well, look, um, let me tell you again that, uh, you know, I I haven't worked there for five years. I can still tell you what they are. <laughs> I, I love it. Tell you I, what, love it. I, I can still tell you what they are because I live them. Look, mm -hmm. um, you know. We we used to have a picnic in the Seattle area, you know, where Amazon's based, and and we would have a bunch of people from different companies, you know, come together. And uh, I was at a picnic, and and one guy was asking me about the difference between Amazon, some other company, and and so on. I I told him about principles, and I said, if you pick a random Amazon Amazonian and you ask them about these principles, they will know them because they've lived them. I love right. It. Mm -hmm. So he had just met some other guy at picnic and the guy said he was from Amazon. So he pulls the guy over. Here, he says, you come over here. Can you tell me these, you know, um, leadership principles? So the guy starts going, you know, like dive deep, uh, deliver results, ownership, you know, think big. So he he's rattling these off, you know, and then he's, he, he stops the guy. He says, uh, so how long have you worked at Amazon anyway? And the guy says six weeks. Wow. Okay. Wow. So I good mean, hiring, great training, and get them ingrained in the culture right away. Well, that tells you the story. But can I tell you something? Pick any one of the other companies that we, um, you know, profile in the book. Zappos obviously is one of them. You know, um, Southwest Airlines, Chick Fil A. I mean, you pick any of these folks, and it's the same story. You're going to find Chewy. All of these companies, right? They have these principles that are pervasive throughout the company. They're ubiquitous, right? And these, these principles have customer obsession embedded into them. So that's one of the, the, the really big hallmarks of these, of these companies. I'll tell you something else. Um, these companies know how to engage the customer personally. Mm. Okay. Now, engaging the customer personally has a bunch of pieces to what's involved there. But let me tell you one of the things these companies know how to do. They know how to give customers what they want before they know they need it. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things uh, Steve okay. Jobs used to be able to predict what customers needed before. Like, let's sell them something they don't know they need yet, but man, they need it really, really badly. Well, you see, because that's that's looking around corners and understanding 
you know, um, what the inherent needs of the customer are. And sometimes customers won't even articulate these needs, right? Um, you know, because they might not think anybody's going to actually go out there and give it to them. But but they they look to give the customer what they want before they need it. And I mean, you think about some of the, the latest um, things that an iPhone can do, like you're in a car accident and it can, you know, um, call authorities because you're in an accident or, you know, um, how the new Apple Watch has, you know, um, features in it that will allow people to, you know, um, plan for their families, right? And all of those kinds of things. I mean, like, whoever thought your watch would be telling you about stuff like that? I mean, you know, that's giving people what they want before they know they need it, right? And that's something that customer-obsessed companies are great at doing, giving customers what they want before they know they need it, right? All right, so I want to make sure I'm tracking with you. I think mm -hmm. we've covered three concepts. You said we covered the first one or three mm -hmm. principles. Uh, the first one, which we talked a lot about in the first half, you wrapped it all up nicely by giving us what that one of those hallmarks were. And that was mm -hmm. what? That was betting the farm on extreme customer-centric policies. Got it. All right. And then the second one was? Deeply ingrained pervasive cultures. Got it. Has to be. And this last one you just mentioned? Um, it was engaging customers personally. Okay. Now, you say personally. I, it's impossible for Amazon to make it like I'm engaging with you personally. However, I go on Amazon. They go, welcome back, Shep. You know, uh, the last time you were here, you looked at this. Do you still want that? Is that the kind of personalization that you're talking about? Well, you know, when you look at that personalization from the Amazon perspective, it cuts across everything. Yeah. I mean, like if you if you have the occasion to deal with an Amazon customer service associate, okay, it's personal, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you have the occasion to deal with um, you know, um like uh a chatbot, it's personal. I'll give an example of something, right? So you know, um, I was at a conference where a gentleman talked about how he had ordered a mirror from Amazon. Mm -hmm. And when the mirror arrived, it was broken, right? So he gets on Amazon to get a hold of uh, customer service. And, you know, he starts a chat, right? And so initially he's, he's, he's you know, engaging a chat bot. And the chat bot, you know, first of all, brings up, hey, um, are, are, you, are you contacting us about this mirror that you just ordered? Okay, so it already kind of right knows, away, right away. It's happening know, because mm -hmm. it knew that, you know, that was a recent order. So it's yes, you know, and he goes through a certain set of things and then it switches him over to a live agent so he can, you know, because there, it, it could do certain things, but there's some things it couldn't do. So it switches him over to a live agent. He gets the whole thing sorted out. It switches him back to the chat bot. It's all seamless. Right. I mean. It, it's personal. It's personal for him. And he got everything that he needed, but that experience was personalized to his situation. Right. Right. Somebody so personal else, doesn't mean me reaching out to you uh, as a human to human. It can be personalization through automation, through digital, through absolutely any way to make the customer feel like you know who they are and they're not just a number. Exactly. Um, and, and, and so and these companies are, are great at it. They're great at using technology to do it. But also, when you engage with their people, right, they're great at it in those contexts, too. So for what it's worth, let's say you go to Trader Joe's, 
I love Trader Joe's. Or you go to another supermarket. Not like to Whole mean... Foods, owned by Amazon. <laughs> well, well, I wasn't going <laughs> to say Whole Foods, but but let's just pick another, your your average supermarket in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Let's just say the vibe you get when you deal with an associate in Trader Joe's is different than the vibe you get when you deal with an associate in one of those other. It, most others, I would agree. They are they have mastered the art of making people feel incredibly well. I, I love that. And I mean, that's that's the human to human connection and companies struggle often. They they get enamored with technology and they create these digital experiences that separate them. You've got to figure out the balance and you've got to come up with ways to personalize the digital experience. We're just about out of time. One last question. You know, it's coming. What's the one last nugget of wisdom that you want to share with us today? Well, the the one last nugget that I, I want to share is that customer obsession basically turns your um, customers from casual consumers into rabid fans, right? And because it does, it also generates for you extraordinary business results. And so I would I would challenge folks, right, that adopting customer obsession, as a business strategy, you can't go wrong. People always go right by doing that. In fact, a couple of people have built funds, investment funds off companies I love that it. Yep. are customer obsessed yep. and they have been able to do phenomenally well. Yeah. So some of them outperform the market by three and four times over a period exactly. of time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We've been looking at that research. We've had some people on the show as well. Well, Marbu, it has been a pleasure to meet you. I'm so excited that I landed. I was just looking on all the books that have come out on Amazon. I saw your book. This was just a few days ago. I We picked up the phone. We we reached out to you via email, via phone. And here you are. We're talking to you today. I know the book's going to be amazing. I'm ordering a copy the moment it comes out. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Hey, Shep, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and talk to you about it. And uh you know, I hope that uh, the listeners will go and get a copy of Blueprint for Customer Obsession. All right. Blueprint for Customer Obsession available by the time you're hearing this now at Amazon. Thanks for being on the show. That wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We'll be back next week with another interview. Until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.